0: Hello, welcome to Is This a I'm Anne Marie. And I'm Christine. And today we're talking geeky cheese. We are going to do two back to back tastings. We're going to talk about cheeses that are in the same family that are very similar but also very different.
1: So as two people who spend a lot of our lives with cheese, Mm -hmm. I think one of the things we both like about cheese is that it can be a snack to just enjoy while you're doing other things. But also when you are eating cheese that was made with tradition and skill and a lot of love, you can really learn a lot from the cheese that you're tasting. Mm -hmm. Um, So today's episode we are focusing on cheese when you really want to get geeky. Um, we're calling it geeky cheese. <laughs> and by that, uh, we mean that we've set up two sort of back to back tastings that we'll talk you through. Um, I think sometimes when people want to learn about cheese, what they want to do is go out and buy like 10 very different cheeses to taste, which is, you know, a great way to learn about cheese. But I think. Um, if you want to even go a little bit further, if you get two cheeses in the same style and taste them back to back, mm-hmm. you learn a lot more about the... You can just uh, internalize a little bit more about, you know, if you're following a similar recipe in two different places, what the terroir um, will do for the flavor. Yeah. Um, when we talk about terroir, uh, that's a word you hear a lot in wine. And it means sort of like... The climate, right? The soil. Um, it's like, why does a cheddar taste different if it's made exactly the same way in Pennsylvania and New York, mm-hmm. or Scotland and Ireland? Mm-hmm. And I think by tasting two similar things next to each other, you sort of get a better feel for that.
0: Oh yeah, that's especially, especially with wine. I feel that favorite wine tastings that I've ever done have been vertical tastings, Mm -hmm. which is just when you can take a wine from the exact same producer, it's the same wine, but a different vintage, so a different year, and you taste them back to back, and they're completely different because of the terroir, because of what the weather was like that year, and they can be completely different experiences.
1: Yeah. So yeah, a a true vertical is tasting it from the same producer. Sometimes I'll talk about a vertical... And I'll mean just within the same family. But, like, the basic idea is if you can try two similar things next to each other, you learn a lot more about how specifically they're different. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes people who want... To expand their cheese vocabulary, get more out of doing it this way because it's easier to sort of zone in on what exactly is different about the two cheeses mm-hmm. um, and build that vocabulary, you know. And
0: trying so many different kinds of cheeses can be really overwhelming, especially if you're new. Like, it's, it's, there's a lot of cheese in the world. Yes. There's a lot of different styles, there's a lot of different methods, there's a lot of different techniques, and it can be really overwhelming. It can be, it can be too much to try yeah. and really go in with a, large spectrum of cheese it's great to see everything that's out there but if you want to really learn and like internalize more of it just like you were saying like it it's it it stays in there if you look at two similar things i find for me at least
1: yeah and this these tastings you know you could do them for like a gathering with friends but i think this is the type of thing that i would do more like one-on-one with someone who was also geeky like Mm -hmm. If you are with people who don't think food is interesting to talk about, maybe don't. I mean, you can set up these tastings. It, you just yeah, they will probably, they'll probably just gonna be checking their in. phone the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is the type of thing where you want to, like, sit down with your notebook and, like, you know, get exactly the right tasting note. Is it an oh, apple yeah. Jolly Rancher or is it an apple fritter? You know, Ooh. like really zone in on those differences Um, so we're each going to talk about a back to back that we really enjoy doing Mm -hmm. um, and why it's useful and the one I'm talking about is Etivaz versus Gruyere and these are two Alpine style cheeses when um, we're talking about alpine style cheeses, um, they don't have to be made in the Alps. We are currently snacking on um, a cheese called Pleasant Ridge Reserve that's made in Wisconsin, and a lot of us talk about that as an alpine style cheese. Um, but these, but Etivaz and Grier are actually from the Alps, um, and they're these really beautiful mountain cheeses where the cows are grazing on beautiful mountain pasture. So. You know, you're eating, they're eating grass, but they're also eating wildflowers and clover and the beautiful mountain herbs. Um, and it's just this very sort of like romantic or like sounds romantic. Um, it de- A like, lot of hard work. But lot, yeah. yeah, it's
0: like, you know, very cold and yeah. like harsh terrain yeah. and everything. But when you say it like, like just like chilling out, eating wildflowers, like that sounds like my ideal afternoon. It's very <laughs>
1: idyllic sounding. Yeah, yeah. the cheesemakers um, work very hard, but you know. We can talk about it and make it sound like it's easy and pastoral. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so Gruyere is probably the cheese um, that if you're familiar with one of them, that's the one you'll be familiar with. Um, Gruyere is a cheese that you see a lot in like grilled cheeses or mac and cheese or like French onion soup you'll see Gruyere with a lot. Um I think of Gruyere as having sort of like a caramelized onion flavor, like it's very like chicken brothy, mm-hmm. um, very like savory umami flavor. Mm-hmm. Um and gruyere has been made for a long time in this region. Um it's then very often with like old world cheeses or wines it's named after the place, and in that mm-hmm. case that's true. Um but Gruyere is sort of like the baseline, I think. Not that it's not a good cheese, but it's, if you know an Alpine-style cheese, it's usually Gruyere.
0: Ooh, can you clarify old world versus new world?
1: Ooh, yes. So this is something actually that cheese people don't talk as much about as wine people talk about, but when we're talking about old world versus new world, um, usually old world is like European. Um, And when I'm thinking about old world cheeses, I'm thinking about, um, you know, Gruyere, Roquefort, Uh, um, The, like, sort of, like, farty-smelling breeze. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're thinking about cheeses with kind of a lot of flavor. Usually there will be sort of, like, an animal-y flavor there, um, a little more savory. Um, When I'm talking about New World cheeses, usually it's cheeses from the U.S., maybe Australia or New Zealand. Um, And usually what you want from – or, like, what you expect from that is a little – I expect sort of, like, sweeter flavors or, like, more lightly grassy, like – a new world brie style cheese would be maybe just like creamy and buttery, whereas mm-hmm. like an old world brie, because that's where brie is made, is France, um, um, would be more like mushroomy and cabbagey and sort of like vegetal. It's like yeah, especially with
0: brie, it's like which is like the first time we've actually talked about brie. <laughs> hello, yes, because, yes, hello. Um, it's like new world versus old world is the perfect example of like milky and mild versus farty and wild, like Brie,
1: New World and Old World World is like the definition of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So with Alpine-style cheeses, I think of the Old World cheeses as being, yeah, sort of like toastier. Sometimes you'll get like a toasted sesame thing. Mm. Um, And Gruyere is a beautiful cheese for that. Very iconic. Um, It's a name-protected cheese, so you can't make Gruyere in like Germany and sell it as Gruyere. Mm -hmm. Always going to be cow's milk. And then Etivaz, which is a very close cousin of greer um has <laughs> uh basically exists because in uh one of the rounds of like figuring out the name protection for Greer, what they decided that they wanted to do was make uh Greer more accessible so it's not that they made it easy to make Greer, but like didn't have to be um made in just one season mm-hmm. um it used to be, so when this cheese was made hundreds of years ago, they would um, cook the curd, so the fat and protein bits, in copper kettles. Um, and now it's like copper lined vats. You know, they mm-hmm. just wanted to make sure that greer um, could be made uh, for a wider market since there was so much demand. And there is a sort of small faction of cheesemakers who said, uh, <laughs> Our family's been making this cheese for, you know, hundreds of years, mm-hmm. and we don't think that what you are calling Gruyere is what we're making. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to call our cheese Gruyere. We're not going to take part in this new, <laughs> you know, main protection situation. Yeah. And we're going to make our own thing. So a is only made during the summer when the cows can graze on the beautiful mountain pastures. It is still cooked on the copper kettles over an op- open flame. So I don't find this cheese particularly smoky, but sometimes you'll get sort of a like bacony y thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is partially from uh, that cooking over an open flame. Um, It's basically a much more rustically made Gruyere. Um, And it's funny because it is a very, very similar make process, and it's made essentially in the same place, but it tastes very different. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think of the flavors of Ativas, I think of fire-roasted strawberries. Or grilled pineapple. Sometimes it's really beef brothy, like you get these really insane flavors from it that you are very different than when you get from Gruyere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and depending on where the cows are in that process of sort of grazing their way up the Alps, um, which is a process called alpage, um, which is from way back when <laughs> when they would have like they did that as a way of surviving. Right? They like had to bring the cows up. The mountain pastures, just because, like, that's where the food was, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so they ate it. Yeah, <laughs> just like eating they their way along things. Yeah, so where they are on the mountains, like the flavor of the wheel can really, really change. Um, and so it's kind of a fun. I think it's a good uh, way to explore um, how small differences in the make process can manifest in different flavors in the cheese. Because it, again, it's mostly the same recipe. Ediva's is just like a much more rustic way to do it Mm -hmm. and is only made during one part of the year. It's only made in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, and also to explore how like being in one part of the mountain versus another part of the mountain can really change the flavor of a cheese, you know? Yeah. I I feel like Eti
0: Vaz is like the Ron Swanson of alpine style cheeses. Like it's like OG. I don't want your new methods. I don't want (laughs) to even be called Gruyere Mm -hmm. off the map. Like everything, all the flavor profiles are over an open flame. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. Like that, Vaz is the OG. Yeah, it's like the old ways are the good ways, which, as we all know, is not always true. (laughs) um in life (laughs) but in (laughs) cheese I find the old ways are usually the good ways yeah yeah I love that yeah will you tell us about your back-to-back Anne-Marie I 100% will (laughs) so I'm
0: talking about Gouda because when people talk about Gouda we think of a lot of different things depending on what you've eaten and what your experience has been so a lot of people even so I was just in New Orleans. And I brought some travel cheese, as you do. But I brought extras for friends. So yeah. I brought oh, okay, how do you spell it? It's oplegkas mm-hmm. and it is a very aged Gouda, super caramely. We haven't we had them with pralines. Oh yeah, you did. Oh, it was so good. It was so magical. <laughs> and like they t- they taste very similar, mm-hmm. like the caramely nuttiness, sugary bits that you get from pralines, like. It's the same in the cheese. They're very similar that way, but it's more—you get more of that salty crunchiness. Um, And I served it to a friend that was like, I—like, this is a Gouda. like, yes. Like, okay, I like baby Gouda. And I'm like, okay, very different. Like, this—like, it's almost an opposite flavor profile. Because when you get really, really young Goudas, often what people are looking for is that, like, very milky, creamy, like— We talked about on a different episode that the closer it is to milk, the more it will taste like milk. So if it's a younger cheese, it's closer to being milk. So those are the flavor, the like lactic flavors that you're going to get in a younger Gouda. But if you let that age, it's going to be a whole different thing. And then that's when you're really getting to like butterscotch territory. And I feel like it's a Gouda is a perfect example of what age can do to the same cheese it's completely different
1: yeah it's it's kind of incredible and it's funny too because i think in the u.s sometimes the only way we understand um flavor differentiation is aging like mm-hmm. and people will be like whoa how how aged is this cheese and you're like yeah three months like <laughs> it's not
0: you know it's not always like sharpness too yeah. like oh this is like really sharp and i'm like
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mostly like sure. then, and that's a whole other thing that we can talk like sharp like sharp is one of those words in the cheese world that means a different thing to everybody. So often like cheesemongers will have to do some decoding yes. of like what that means when someone's like I like a sharp cheese more often than not they're saying that they like a high level of acidity
1: in their cheese. And that's um, what it means, by the way. Like, yeah. technically, sharpness is just acidity, which means like, does it make your mouth water? Right. But like, you'll get people who are who come in and are like, "I'd really like a sharp brie," and you're it's like. like eh. Hey. Sure. <laughs> right. And in that case, they probably just mean like more flavorful, like something with a little more. Right. And a robust. lot of people mistake that for age as well. Yeah. If, like it's oh, yeah. oh, like
0: I want a sharp cheddar. So they're like, yes, I would like a two year age cheddar. And like, that's what that means, because if you associate that, like that goes hand in hand with a lot of different cheeses, especially in the cheddar world. Like older can often mean those kinds of flavors that people associate with sharpness. But age and sharpness aren't always friends. Yeah. Well, they're always friends. They're not always holding hands. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and not always best friends. Yeah. And the interesting thing, I think, one of the reasons I really love this back-to-back is because with cheddar, very often when you age them, they get more, like, savory and mm-hmm. sort of, like, earthy basement-y. And yeah. when you age a Gouda... Or chada, if we are pronouncing yeah. it like yeah. our ancestors, oh, Sure, sure. <laughs> which I won't do again because I feel a little. That's gross. what you said last episode, and now <laughs> you are here. We are probably won't do it again. Um, you accentuate those like butterscotchy caramel flavors, which mm-hmm. it's a really fun way to sort of understand the age. Just brings out what's already there in the cheese. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, like blue cheese, right? Like yeah. it's just the way the blue mold gets. Into blue cheese isn't because they inject it or anything like that. Like it's already, that mold is already in the milk when they went at the first stages of cheese making. That's already in there. And it's just poking holes in the cheese once it's formed to introduce oxygen into the cheese that helps that mold grow. So it's what's already in there. And then just the techniques, how you age it, what you do to it, all of those things is just bringing out those different expressions of what's already there.
1: Yeah. Like it's even. If it's when you see a blue cheese before it's been poked, <laughs> that's the technical name for it, oh, yeah um, <laughs> uh, it's pure white, and that doesn't mean it doesn't have mold spores, it means the mold spores haven't grown yet. Mm-hmm. so it's really yeah, the way you develop your flavors in the cheese can be aged, but with blue cheese, it can be ox- I mean it is oxygen, yeah. sort of like get letting the mold spores grow into that like spicy. Blue flavor. And we'll say it all the time, but I'm just going to say it again. Cheese is mold. Cheese is mold. Cheese is
0: mold. And how lucky are we that we (laughs) have found a way to make mold so delicious? But, like, you know, things like blue cheese are scary to some people because they're like, I don't want to. Eat that freaky mold. (laughs) I throw my bread away when it it looks like that. Yeah, exactly. I understand. I hear you. I see you. Keep eating it, though. (laughs) And, like, the mold still exists when we're talking about Gouda's and we're talking about Alpine style. Like, those still have even, especially, actually, Gouda and Alpine style cheeses, because you don't have a particularly uh, visible, moldy rind, that it's easier to think, oh, there's less mold in here, right? or there's there's less mold in this.
1: Not true. It's still the fermentation process. Yeah. It's still, you know, milk jerky. It's <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of back-to-backs that can be done. Like, if you're trying two blue cheeses next to each other, you'll get... You'll learn a lot if you're trying two chatters next to each other. You'll learn a lot. Um, but these are just ones that we especially have enjoyed and I uh, think are useful, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so as you are doing back to backs, as you are geeking out with cheese, tag us mm-hmm. on the internets. Mm-hmm. We are inst- on Instagram, we are on Facebook. Um, and if you are listening to the podcast and enjoy it, we would love if you reviewed it.
0: Yes, rate and review. If you've been enjoying this, this is is the Sabree. If you have not been enjoying this, but somehow made it to the end of this episode, <laughs> you've been listening to This American Life. <laughs> Thanks for coming. We'll see you guys next time.